Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. scripture reading comes from the gospel of Matthew chapter 20 verses 1 through 16. Hear the word of the Lord. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. And when he went out again, about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When everything came... When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, these last worked The last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, indeed. Good morning, church. I am Pastor Corey, and it is good to be together this morning. Let us pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable In your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Church, it is good to be together to gather and to witness to the hope we have in Jesus Christ, to cling to something that we know to be true. In the midst of all the uncertainty, in the midst of all the division, in the midst of all the chaos, the noise, we don't... We don't seem to agree on much these days, but we gather together still. I don't know about you, but to me, I've witnessed a miracle this morning because I know the differences between some of us, and we still showed up wherever you are. We're a miracle. If no one has told you that lately or you've been looking for one, here it is. We are it. Here we are, disagreements and all. Gathered to be reminded, yes, that there is still 
so much work to be done, and we desperately need Jesus to lead us in that work. But to be reminded at the very same time, we know the truth of the work that has already been done because Jesus has given us not only the practice and witness of his life to follow, but his very life his death, and his resurrection so that we might have a promise. We might have a reason to gather so that we might have hope. And the reason we hope, the reason that we gather is that we do agree, I believe, that receiving Jesus and in turn being like Jesus Seeking to be like Jesus, even if it's not easy and it is not intuitive, being like Jesus is better than seeking to be like ourselves, like Corey, like Bob, like Jane, who we are when we are left on our own. And I think our parable this morning paints a pretty accurate picture of what that kind of life looks like. In our passage from Matthew that Savannah read for us, we find Jesus teaching, telling us a parable about a landowner and some workers. And the story is meant to be applied not just to a landowner and workers, but to all who hear it and all who find meaning in it, because the disciples have to grapple with this story. It's placed strategically in Jesus's ministry after the disciples have griped and complained and asked Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? What are these disciples, what they're asking is, what are we going to receive for our devotion and our sacrifice? These are the thoughts that consume the disciples. And so Jesus has some real work to do here. He has to tell them in several ways, my kingdom is not your kingdom. Greatness in Jesus's kingdom isn't measured the same way greatness is in our earthly kingdom. The way Jesus measures greatness is not the way we measure greatness. In our framework of who deserves what and how people get ahead Jesus says it doesn't match up with his own. To undo what we've been taught our whole lives, the harder you work, the more you deserve, the better you do, the more you'll have, and you will have earned it. This is what I grew up believing. This is what I still constantly fall into believing. I mean, I feel like the disciples. Uh, Jesus... I'm not doing all this God work for nothing. Do you know how many committee, committee meetings we had last week? I better get something out of this. It better count for something. And Jesus is so gentle in completely shattering everything we thought and we think we know. Jesus has to teach us again and again what we struggle to understand about who God is. So he tells this story. A landowner hires laborers early in the day to work the field. 
And they agree without any conflict or without any real conversation on an acceptable wage. The landowner goes out again a few hours later and brings in more workers from the marketplace. He then goes out a third time to the marketplace even later in the day, brings more workers, and then even later in the day with only an hour left, he brings yet more workers in to tend the land. And at the end of the day, he begins to pay out the workers, giving everyone who showed up, whether they worked one or 12 hours, the very same wage. Now calm down. I can see that you are very upset. I actually cannot see you, but I assume that you are very upset. This story is uncomfortable. And when, like you're thinking now, those ones who worked 12 hours see that the ones who worked one hour got the same pay, the scripture says they grumble. They grumble against the landowner saying, these last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who've borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. You have made them equal to us. The disciples can hear echoes of their own questions from earlier when they'd asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom? We surely can't be equal. We can hear echoes of our own thoughts. I deserve more than those other people, yet the landowner. And they say to him, you've made them equal to us. How dare you? How dare you disrupt and confuse the way we have constructed the world? And that's really what they're saying, isn't it? How dare you? And Jesus answers them, with these words, he says, but the landowner replied to one of them, friend, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. I'll give you a moment. Let that digest to see if we're adequately satisfied with that answer, because Jesus keeps going. He says, as the landowner, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Am I not allowed to, choose, to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Can you believe we actually all put aside our differences this morning to come and hear this unfairness? It's frustrating. Some translations say, are you jealous because I am generous? And others say, is there evil in your eye because I am generous? That translation is particularly indicting because in Matthew, we see throughout that the eye is actually the pathway into your whole being. 
So if there's evil in your eye, then you, in turn, are evil. This parable is challenging as parables are meant to be, and it challenges our understanding of merit and deservedness on performance and work ethic. But this parable stretches even further than workers in the field, right? Jesus' parables, they're meant to do that. We know Jesus, and we know that Jesus has been and is trying desperately to teach the disciples about generosity and status within the kingdom of God, which is being built here and now and is at the very same time eternal. And we who gather today are hopefully longing, desiring to be part of that kingdom of building it here and now, knowing that that promise isn't eternal. So Jesus is telling them that there are workers for the kingdom. The disciples are are some of those workers, and they are giving it everything they have from the very first hour. Jesus has told them what they'll receive in exchange for that. The wage is the gift of life with him, here and now and in eternity. And Jesus is also saying that others at any time that they respond to the landowner's call may be welcomed into that very same promise, into that very same work. And we know the work is difficult no matter what time of day you join. But the wage, the promise remains the same. Life here and now and in eternity. Jesus' expectation, Jesus' generosity are a constant. Jesus is always who Jesus says he is. He says what he'll pay, and he pays. Remember that. Jesus is who he says he is. His generosity and his expectations are a constant. Church, it is we who are like grass. We are the ones who decide at the end of the day that what we were promised isn't actually enough. Or we decide that what we contribute to the vineyard was worth more than the landowner promised. Church, that failure of understanding, it's ours. It's not Jesus's. That limitation is ours, not Jesus's. And that mis understanding that we dictate what we are owed is ours. It's not Jesus's. As one scholar I studied said, this parable will reveal whether we view our labor as a gift from God or as a benefit to God as a joyful fulfillment of our created purpose, or as the mere endurance of the scorching heat? Do we see our discipleship as something to be endured or as a gift from God to be shared? The laborers who began early in the day can only see that the pay they perceived was unfairly withheld from them. That's all they can see. They can only see that the pay they perceived 
was unfairly withheld from them. They believed they were owed. Rather than having eyes to see what they had all along. You see, the laborers who begin early in the day, they have a promise. And I've been so convicted by this story, feeling in many ways like one who arrives at the beginning of the day and works. And for what? The pay of someone who shows up for an hour? The Spirit. The Spirit has reminded me and is reminding me that the promise wasn't ever about pay. The promise wasn't ever about pay. The promise was and is presence. The laborers who arrive at the earliest hour, they know from first light what they will receive. The security of that wage the security of the food that that wage will provide, the satisfaction of purpose in a task before them. The workers who arrive at the first hour have all day access to the landowner, to his voice, to his counsel, to his safety. They have a promise to cling to from the moment they arrive. That is priceless. And my heart aches it breaks for the stories we don't know or perhaps the stories we do know because they are our own of the workers who arrive throughout the day. The despair they felt before being called, not knowing if they would have the promise of work that day, the hunger that overwhelmed them, the aimlessness which may have filled their day and their hearts, a lack of purpose. No sense of safety or security, no promise to cling to, hopelessness. And then for this person, this landowner, this Jesus, to suddenly show up and invite them into those promises. That's radical generosity, and I don't want to be jealous of it. I want to be part of it. I want to be part of the moments in the marketplace where people who have little hope, who fear that death is near, receive new life, new purpose, land to tend, a kingdom to build alongside of others. They receive a community. They find their place in God's story. The laborers who arrived at the first hour didn't receive less when more workers joined. No, they received the very same promise, the same presence, and they received a growing community of people who witnessed that spirit of generosity that can change the world, that has changed the world. Jesus has changed the world, and our world desperately needs to know that spirit of generosity now. We need the spirit to give us eyes to see what this story is trying to tell us about our own discipleship. Who are we in this story? Are we jealous because God is generous? Do we see our work as a benefit to God 
Or do we see our labor as a gift from God to be shared? Are we in the marketplace? And perhaps we can hear the landowner inviting us in to the work that is already being done. Can we see the promises that accompany us in the field, the presence, the gift and joy of being with Jesus? Church, may we not be limited by our own jealousy and by the kingdom we've built in our own minds, but may we trust in and be transformed by the extravagant generosity of the one from whom all blessings flow. Let us pray. Holy God, I read this week that much of praying is breathing. And in the last seven months, I have never known that to be truer. The world feels like an endless comparison of who arrives in the field at what time and what each might deserve. Yet somehow, whatever we receive is never enough. We desire more. We fear scarcity in our own lives, often at the expense of others. We're desperate for Jesus, even if we don't know it. Give us your eyes. Allow us to see and receive the promise that is always before us, the promise that was never payment, but your presence. The hope we have in believing that you are who you say you are. Help us to know that promise. And help us to see our labor as disciples as a gift and never an obligation. Help us to know that promise. To celebrate when others discover it, no matter what time of day. For we know that this day and every day belong not to us, but to you alone. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.